please stay standing for the reading of God's word. Matthew 19, verse 16 through 30. And behold, a man came up to him, saying, Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? And he said to him, Why do you ask me about what is good? There is only one who is good. If you, if you would enter life, keep the commandments. He said to him, Which ones? And Jesus said, You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall, you shall not bear false witness, honor your father and mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, All these I have kept, what do I still lack? Jesus said to him, If you would be perfect, go, sell what you possess, and give to the poor, and you will, live, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come, follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. And, G and Jesus said to his disciples, Truly I say to you, only with difficulty will a, rich will a rich person enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished, saying, Who then can be saved? But Jesus looked at them and said, With man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Then Peter said in reply, See, we have left everything and followed you. What then will we have? Jesus said to them, Truly I say to you, in the new world, when the Son of Man will sit in his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or lands for my name's sake will receive a hundredfold and will inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last first. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for today, and thank you for this place we have to gather together to worship you, Lord. I pray that you just give Ben the words to, uh, to preach in your name and to your glory, Lord, and I pray that you'd help us all set aside our distractions today and, uh, and hear your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Good. Welcome, everybody. How you doing this morning? Good. Good to see you. <laughs> Good to see everybody. Um, well, we have we are nearing the end of our experiencing God sermon series, and it's it's been a joy um, to teach this series. I think I've heard from many of you that that God's been using it. We've been exploring what does it look like to know and do God's will. How can we know? what God's will is for us, and, and can, how can we hear him speak to us and lead us and then carry out his will. And um, today we are going to uh, be continuing that series, and we're going to be looking at the idea through this passage primarily that, that when God speaks to you and invites you to join him, that he's going to require you to make some adjustments in your life. Um, if you don't have a Bible, slip your hand up. We have people in the back who will get one of those to you. And um, if you'd like that as, a, as your own Bible, you can take that home. That's our gift to you. We love handing out God's Word to people. Um, yeah, slip your hand up. Um, so we, we looked a couple of weeks ago at... The, um, the 
how can we know when God is speaking to us? We looked at how we primarily hear God speaking to us through his word, but the, the Holy Spirit uses uh, his word. He, the Holy Spirit uses circumstances. The Holy Spirit uses um, other believers in our lives to, to guide us and show us the way to go. But what we're going to look at today is once you, once you know what God's saying um, and you recognize what that means for you, that that's going to involve major adjustments in your life, it can be really hard to say yes. It can be really hard to make those adjustments. But every time in Scripture that God speaks to someone and invites them into what he is doing, it requires that they make adjustments. Or to put it another way, in order to go with God, you can't stay where you are. In order to go with God, you can't stay where you are. Um, this was true for Abraham, the father of our faith, when, when God said, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. That's a lot of adjustments. This was true for Moses when um, God invites Moses to join him in what he's doing in freeing the people of Israel from slavery. And he says, come, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. This is true for Esther. When she senses the Lord is, is saying to her that she's supposed to go, risk her life, and go before the king. And she says, I will go to the king, though it is against the law, and if I perish, I perish. This is true for David when he's out shepherding his father's sheep and God comes to him and, um, and he's anointed as king of the nation of Israel. This is true for the disciples. Many of them left the family business behind and walked away from that in order to go and follow Jesus. And our passage today focuses on this, this young man that's given this same invitation as the disciples, and he misses it. And we're going to look at um, some things about this invitation that, that you also will receive if you're a follower of Jesus to join him in what he's doing and why that can be hard so that you'll be prepared so that you won't miss it as this young man did. Pray with me and then we'll jump right into the passage. Father, thank you so much for this morning. God, for this glorious day outside, uh, for every soul here. God, I know that every person in this room is here on purpose and that you have uh, desires, things that you want to say to us. Would you make our hearts pliable in your hand? Holy Spirit, would you help me to say only what you want to say? Would you um, use the preaching of your word to bring about change in our lives? Um, to bring glory to your name. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So, um, look at this passage, Luke 18, and look at verses 20 through 22 with me. So the young man says to him, All these I have kept, what do I still lack? And here's where the invitation comes. Jesus said to him, If you would be perfect, go sell what you possess and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come, 
follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. So, what's just happened? Jesus, the Son of God, God incarnate, God in the flesh, has just given the ultimate invitation to this young man. Come and follow me. Come and be one of my disciples. He didn't make this invitation to every single one of the people that he encountered. Sometimes he would encounter a person, they would come to believe that he was the Messiah, and he would say, now go back to your hometown and preach. But he gives this young man an invitation to come and join him. What things would this young man have seen? Blind eyes open, deaf ears open, the dead raised, demons cast out, the kingdom of God advancing. He would have been one of the disciples that we read about today. I mean, he would have been commissioned to go out with authority over demons and to pray for the sick to be healed, and he would have been sent out to towns ahead of Jesus to preach the gospel. He would have been a part of God's rescue mission on earth. But even more importantly, he would have had his name written in the book of life. He was being invited into relationship with Jesus. He was given an invitation to be with God and join him in his work. And he missed it. So we're going to look at some of the reasons he missed it. Some of the reasons he wasn't willing to leave where he was in order to join God and what he was doing. So that when God invites you to join him in what he's doing you won't miss it. Okay, number one, going with God will feel scary. Going with God will feel scary. Jesus says to this young man, sell all your possessions. Now, that means massive adjustments for this guy, right? It does, this isn't just like, oh, I'm He's going to have less things to take care of. Think about what Jesus is actually telling him to do. He is talking about a complete change in lifestyle, vocation, social life. He's talking about living in a different place. He's talking about an uncertain future. Come and follow me. He doesn't say, and here's the game plan. He doesn't say, and here's how long you're committing to. No. I mean, he, he's asking this guy to, to change everything about his life. Sell everything you own, change your vocation, change your routines, change your habits, change your, your social network. Everything. Do you think that that might have scared him a bit? Can you imagine what you would feel if Jesus looked you in the eye and said, I want you to sell it all. Come follow me. 
It'd be terrifying for some of us. And most of the time, when God in, invites you to join him in what he is doing, it's going to feel scary. It's going to require courage for several reasons. It'll require courage because it means that much of your future now feels uncertain. Now, the reality is we, we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. The reality is the entire future is always in God's hands, but now all of a sudden we start to feel that a little bit more when God invites us into his work. It's going to require courage because anything God invites you into is too big for you to do on your own. Anything that God invites you into, he is saying, I want to do this through you. I just want you to be a vessel for me. And so it's going to require courage because you're going to look at it and you're going to say, well, that's not possible. Well, God, I can't do that. Like Moses, when, when the Lord says, I want you to go to Pharaoh, and Moses is like, I, 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 I get tongue-tied, God. And God says, who gave you that mouth? Whatever God asks you to do is going to feel far too big for you. And it's going to require courage because often when God invites us to join him, the invitation is going to feel really impractical. And we're practical people, aren't we? We, we want to know how it all works out in the end, and when God invites us to join him, he doesn't tell us that part. He says, no, here's your next step. And it's going to feel really impractical. But Jesus was known for doing really impractical things, like walking across lakes and feeding thousands of people with a few loaves and fishes. You know, he didn't let what was practical box him in. And when God invites you to join him in the work that he's calling you to do, it's going to be his idea. That's been a big part of this series. It's going to be his idea, not yours. And his ways are so much higher than our ways, and his thoughts are so much higher than our thoughts. And so when we get a little glimpse into his thoughts and his ways, we go, God, have you thought about that? That's, that's not practical. So it's going to require courage. And here's something I want us to see. Jesus knows how impossible this feels for this young man when he instructs him to go sell all of his possessions. And, and guess what he doesn't do? He doesn't make any apologies. You see that? He doesn't say to the young man, I am sorry to have to ask you this. He doesn't say, wait, 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 before you go, let me just qualify what I just said. He simply gives the invitation. And that's the way he will do it with you. He will simply give you the instruction. Here's what I'm inviting you to join me in. 
He doesn't qualify it. He doesn't explain it away. He doesn't make any apologies. He doesn't reassure him that it will be worth it, even though it will. He simply lays it out there, knowing that it will sound scary, and then leaves it right there. This will be so important for you to remember when your invitation to join God in what he's doing comes. When your invitation comes, it will not come with all the instructions and with all the qualifications and it won't come with an apology. I'm sorry, this feels like a sacrifice. He wants you to trust him. Listen to what God tells Joshua. Joshua is the guy who takes over for Moses, leading the nation of Israel when Moses dies. And Moses is pretty much the man. I mean, he has a relationship with God like no other, favor with God like no other. He is the leader of God's people, and he dies. And Joshua has to step into those shoes. And not only that, but he has to then lead the people of Israel into the promised land and take the land. Now, you think that might have been scary? I think so. Listen to what God tells him. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous. He just says, look, here's what you need to know, Joshua. I'm going to be with you. The thing I'm asking you to do is too big for you to do on your own. I know it sounds scary. I know these were big shoes to fill. Here's all that you need to know. I will be with you just like I was with Moses. So be strong and courageous. And that's what this young man, that's the reassurance that he has as well. Come, be with me. Know that when God invites you to join him, it will feel scary, but it's an invitation to come be with him. And that's my second point. Going with God will feel scary, but going with God is relationship with God. This is how God works. When he invites you to join him in what he's doing, he's inviting you into relationship. Look at what Jesus tells the young man. Go sell what you possess and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. That's the real invitation here. Selling his possessions is just what needs to happen so this young man can come and be with Jesus unhindered. The invitation is relationship in the midst of joining God in his work. And this isn't just true with this situation, but throughout Scripture, every one of the disciples are given this exact same invitation. Every one of them. They just didn't have quite so much to walk away from. But all the other disciples are faced with the same decision. Can I leave the fishing business? Can I put the nets down and walk away? Can I walk away from my tax booth? Can I leave behind life as I have known it? So this wasn't Jesus being unfair to this guy. 
He's just saying you need to come and, and be free of all that would burden you if you tried to come and follow me. The invitation to make adjustments so you can join him in what he is doing. And the invitation to be in relationship with him are one and the same invitation. If you're wrestling with saying yes to whatever God is inviting you into, don't miss this point. The invitation to make adjustments so you can join him in what he's doing is the invitation into relationship with him. This was true for Noah when God told him to build an ark. It wasn't just a building project. This was an invitation into relationship. This was true for Abraham when God tells him to leave his homeland and and to come to a place I will show you. This This was the invitation into relationship. Come and walk with me. This is true for Moses when God tells him to go to Pharaoh. I'm going to be with you, Moses. You're going to experience me like never before. This is true for Joshua when God tells him to take the land. It's true for Esther and Gideon and Rahab and the disciples and Paul. This was true for my family when God called us to Vermont. This is the invitation into relationship. Going with God is relationship with God. And going with God means making adjustments. So that means to reject the adjustments is to reject relationship. Look at verse 22 and 23. When the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. And in the very next verse, And Jesus said to his disciples, Truly I say to you, only with great difficulty... Will a rich person enter the kingdom of heaven? Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. He is saying this young man didn't just reject a cool opportunity. He rejected the kingdom. This young man missed relationship with the God of the universe. The king of kings held out his hand of friendship and he simply couldn't make the adjustments necessary to join him. And he walked away. So probably what's going through your head is, but what about me? I'm already, I'm already a disciple of his. Like I've already said yes. Um, I'm not suggesting that you lose your salvation if you reject God's invitation. But here's what I am saying. I think that any time God invites you, Christian, into a work that he is doing, he is inviting you into deeper relationship with him every time. And when you say no to that, when you reject that, you are saying no to that invitation into a deeper relationship with him. And if you are a believer, what the Bible teaches is that he will discipline you in love to bring you along to where he wants you to be. This is the story of Jonah. Jonah's already God's man. God invites him to join him in something that he's doing, and he says no, and God disciplines him, and he finds himself 
about, you know, about to be shipwrecked, and then God saves his life. And to reject the adjustments is to reject the invitation to relationship. So, going with God will feel scary, but going with God is relationship with God. This is how relationship plays out. And number three, going with God is rewarding. Going with God is rewarding. The adjustments God asks of you will feel like great sacrifice. And I say the word feel because oftentimes what we feel and what's really true are two different things, right? Here's the deal. This is what Jesus says to this young man in verse 21. If you would be perfect, go sell what you possess and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come follow me. Jesus wants this man to see the reward that's being offered to him, which is far greater than what he is being asked to give up. He's saying, you will have treasure, young man. You will have treasure that cannot be taken away from you. You will have treasure in heaven. Yes, you'll lose money and things and comforts, but you will gain far more. You will gain relationship with me. Look down at verses 27 through 29. Peter said in reply, See, we have left everything and followed you. What then will we have? Jesus said to him, Truly I say to you, in the new world, when the Son of Man will sit on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel, and everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or lands for my name's sake will receive a hundredfold and will inherit eternal life. Peter, gotta love Peter. He says, Jesus, look at us. Look at what, look at what all we've given up for you. And Jesus doesn't deny the loss. He doesn't say, you haven't given up anything for me. No, he acknowledges that, yeah, it is loss. You have lost houses, brothers and sisters and father and mother for my name's sake. He says, but oh, don't think that this is really sacrifice in the end. No. In the end, what you gain will be worth a hundred times what you've given up. You will receive a hundredfold for every loss for the kingdom of God. You know, if we could track down this, this rich young ruler in this passage today and ask him if he made the right choice that day, what do you think he would tell you? You think he would say that he wishes that he'd been willing to make the adjustments 
that God was asking them to make that day. Please hear this, Christian. Going with God is always more rewarding than staying where you are. It is always worth it, no matter how much he is asking you to adjust in your life. I don't care if he's asking you to walk away from houses or land or father or brother or mother or sister or job or friendships or routines or habits or comforts or security. It is always worth it. And he always rewards. My wife and I, some of you know the story. We thought we were done with, we had four kids, and we thought that was a great number. We were happy with that number. And um, I've told the story before, but God um, gave Tiffany a dream and gave me a dream um, both of us, that, that we were to have another baby. And I balked at the offer to join God in what he was doing. That adjustment, financially, socially, with our time, with our home, all of that felt very impractical and felt scary to me. Because we were done with babies, you know, our youngest was five, and it was like, that was a real relief, <laughs> being honest. So I balked at the invitation. But for eight months, while I dragged my feet, that invitation remained. And he didn't qualify it. He didn't apologize for it. He didn't try and chase me down to say, but, 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 but you should consider. It just sat there while I dragged my feet. And, and you guys know we have number five now, Millie. And I am so glad. I am so glad that in the end I chose to go with God rather than stay where I was because listen, Sure, we've sacrificed some things financially, and my wife sacrificed far more than me. But we have gained a hundredfold already. Already. Whatever we've given up. Is God inviting you to join him in something he's doing Maybe you haven't seen it yet because you've been unwilling to make the adjustments needed in order to join him. You know, that'll make you blind to what he's saying sometimes. That's the way I felt, I think, you know, months into dragging my feet, I was blind to my own disobedience. What is it that you need to walk away from in order to join God in what he's doing. Is it a job? Is it a home? Is it a relationship or relationships? Is it habits? Is it routines? What is it that you need to be willing to lay down? All this rich young man could see was what he was walking away from. 
And what he needed to focus on was who he was walking to. The reward of being with Jesus is always better than what we struggle to walk away from. So where do you begin? First, determine today, determine that you won't make the foolish decision this young man made when Jesus invited him to follow him. And then, rather than focus on why making these necessary adjustments is scary or impractical, focus on the fact that to go with God is relationship with God and that going with God is rewarding. The great philosopher Winnie the Pooh said, I always get to where I'm going by walking away from where I've been. That's pretty deep, isn't it? I love Winnie the Pooh because he says really simple things that if you look a little closer are actually pretty deep. The reality is we don't get to where we're going until we determine to walk away from where we've been. And if God's inviting you to go somewhere with him, the decision starts with turning away from where you've been. Maybe this morning there are things you need to walk away with so you can go with God. Maybe this morning you just need to lay your plans on the altar and say, God, I don't want my plans for my life. I want to go with you. Maybe today is the day you come to Jesus for the very first time and you begin a relationship with him. 2 Corinthians 8, 9 says that although he, Jesus, was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor. No one walked away from more. No one made greater adjustments in order to fulfill the will of God than Jesus. He left heaven, became a man, walked among us, and then he took our sins on himself on a cross and died in our place, becoming a curse for us so that we could be forgiven, so that we could have a relationship with God. This wasn't easy for him. The night that he's arrested, the Bible tells us that he was in prayer, that he was sweating great drops of sweat, like drops of blood. Do you think it was scary for him to take on the sins of the world and be separated from his father and take on the wrath of God for sin? Absolutely. But he wanted the Father's will. He said, not my will, but yours. And he knew that going with the Father where the Father was leading would be rewarding. Hebrews 12, 2 says, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. He endured 
by looking toward the reward of the joy that was set before him. And he went to the cross, taking your place and mine, so that if you turn from your sins to him and put your faith in him, you can be saved. You can be forgiven. You can begin a relationship with God today. And I've been praying for you that you would. I've been praying that people all across this room today would take that step, would be willing to turn to God in faith and say, I don't know what all this will mean for me, but I want to go with you. I trust you, and I want to follow you. This morning, if you haven't yet done that, you can do that right now. Let's pray. Father, God, I pray for those in this room who are ready to begin a relationship with you. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would help them, give them the gift of faith right now. Help them to turn away from doing life their way and turn to you in faith. To believe that Jesus died for them to pay for their sins that he was buried and that he was raised from the dead on the third day to give them life. I pray, God, for new life all across this room, right now. Holy Spirit, move powerfully. God, I pray for the chains of sin to fall off right now. Holy Spirit, release people from bondage right now. God, things that have been plaguing people for years Sins that have been plaguing people for years, I pray that you would break those chains today. Things that have been stopping people from going with you, from following you fully, weights that have entangled people, I pray they would throw off this morning in Jesus' name. God, I pray for Christians who have been too afraid to walk away from all that they've known. God, those that you are calling to people who don't know you, those that you're calling out to plant churches, those that you're calling to go to the nations, those that you're calling to go to their neighbor and their co-worker, God, that they would lay down their comforts and that they would be willing to make the adjustments necessary to join you in what you're doing. God, use us. Send us out. Use us to further your kingdom. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as uh, we enter into this time of response, uh, and as the prayer team heads to the back, um, one way that we can respond to, um, to the way that maybe the Spirit is guiding us uh, is in prayer. And